episode for you this week, guys. We're connecting through the miracle of Skype to Cardiff. Um, and the very wonderful Sarah Norman, who will be a guest at the Thorbubble Festival here in Harrogate in a desperately short number of weeks' time, given how much work I've got to do before that happens. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Sarah will also, uh, I hope, uh, be contributing to the art trail that we're curating around the time. So whether you're going to Thorbubble or not, you will be able to see her artwork somewhere in town at some point. Uh, that's more of a point for the Harrogate Community Radio listeners. If you're listening via the podcast in Australia right now, that's probably less helpful. But um, images of Sarah's work will be available in the show notes, uh, which, as ever, will be available at the Destination Venus uh, website, destinationvenus.co.uk, um, at some point in the almost immediate future after you hear this. Probably. Um, a fortnight behind show notes at the moment as we record this, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, but enough of that nonsense. Sarah, hello. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming. Um, <laughs> I thought what we'd do is, uh, I mean, I've, I've, it sort of feels wrong to say I've known you a few years now, because I think we've probably met three times. Well, yeah, you say that, but it's like convention meeting, right? Because I always think that people are like, oh, we've only met a couple of times, but it's like... I don't know. I, I, I feel yeah. like because it's yeah. at events and stuff. I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got people that I would probably consider sort of reasonably good friends at this point who I've mm. known for, actually in a couple of cases, 25 years because I'm old. <laughs> but I've probably only met them 25 times. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, convention friends are a strange phenomenon. Oh, convention friends. I don't know, I don't know, if, <laughs> I don't know if any other kind of industry has this this thing in quite the same way. I suppose so must. Yeah, I'd be interested if, hmm. if anyone's listening and has a similar situation. Because it is really nice. I really like it. I suppose, like, um, I know Rich from Comics CPUK, Comics Printing UK. Mm-hmm. He always says it's almost like people being as a band. It's, it's like being a band, like touring, yeah. gigging. It's kind of like that, almost. That's quite a nice analogy, actually, yes. Yeah. So, you know... Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, so it's it's kind of kind of a similar feeling sometimes, but you know, I, I'm less musically really? inclined. Okay, I was trying to I was trying to figure out when we first met, and I think we first kind of touched base over probably Facebook, maybe Twitter, back when I first took over the shop. Because one of the things I did when I yeah, I first took over Destination Venus was put out on social media, kind of a hey guys. I own a comic shop. If you make comics, sell them to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were one of the first people to get in touch. It was you and Matt Garley. You and Matt oh, Garley nice. were the first two people to get in touch. Hello, I, I make comics. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I was I was really thrilled that you did because Desties, um, before I took over, didn't really have much of a tradition of carrying small press. And it's something that I've always been really keen on doing. When I, when I sort of shouted out into the ether, I really didn't know if anybody would bother answering. Oh, uh, so it was, it was really gratifying when we did. So I think what I'd like to do is is go back to the, to the beginning, because everybody has has that thing that got them into comics. Mm-hmm. And I'm always interested in what that is, because sometimes it's not the kind of thing that you'd expect. I mean, I got into comics, for example, simply because I was on work experience at school, mm-hmm. and I had an hour lunch break. McDonald's had just opened in my town, <laughs> because I'm so old, I, mm-hmm. I can remember when Doncaster didn't have a McDonald's. 
Oh no, I I remember when Cardiff first got the McDonald's. I was quite young, but I remember <laughs> seeing like you know when McDonald's arrived, yeah. then Burger King, then KFC, yeah. and everyone just oh, loved kids them. today they just don't understand, do they? I know. I, know. Um, right. and I used to go to McDonald's <laughs> and get a burger because it was like a, a new thing that you could do. Yeah. But I have to have something to do. Um, mm. Obviously, this is the late eighties, so it's not like I could sit and look at my phone because mm. phones in those days were big things that were tied to the wall um, <laughs> so the first day I took a book and I discovered that books won't stay open by themselves mm. and fast food or not eating a burger with one hand while trying to keep a book open with another was really difficult so the next day I went to the newsagents next door and bought a 2000 AD which is the first comic I ever bought for myself nice. um, mm. because they just stay open Mm. And honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that I wanted something to read on that lunchtime, I might never have bought a comic ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's and from there, I got hooked and started mm-hmm. going to conventions and started meeting people who did their own stuff. I met Terry Wiley and Dave McKinnon mm-hmm. um, in the mid nineties in uh, UCAC in London, and got to know them and got sort of interested in the idea of the small press. And from there, things just kind of snowballed, got out of control, and now I own a comic shop. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> My wife asked that a lot. Um, so what's your story? How did, what first got you into comics? What's your first comics experience? As a, as a reader, I think like it was quite a slow descent, I would say. <laughs> in the, um, I think because when I was younger, it was more of the Pokemon, Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just remember I'd never seen anything like that before. And like it was all on Toonami on um Cartoon Network. It was this little segment that had all like all these Japanese anime and then also like different, you know, very <laughs> like early two thousands kind of cartoons. <laughs> very kind of like, you know. I was I was looking over all my old drawings because I found them all today. And a lot of them are just, ooh. when you've lived through it, quite cringy, but so earnest. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, yeah, very lots lots of feelings going on. Um, yeah, so I think I, I got in, into it from that kind of angle. And I remember going to Finn Planet in Cardiff and I remember picking up manga when Dark Horse used to publish them as floppies. So they didn't, mm-hmm. um, so you could just buy singles of things like Dragon Ball. I remember reading Blade of the Immortal when I was far too young for it. <laughs> I think I was about like eleven or twelve and reading mm. Blade of the Immortal and a little bit. You see, yeah. Yeah, you see, as a as a former English teacher, there's a bit of me still in the back of my head going, yeah. well, I don't think that's age appropriate. <laughs> no. But then you say that, but Dragon Ball wasn't particularly age appropriate. Like you know No, I suppose not. Yeah, just you know, different cultures, different you know, different different uh ideas of what kids can read i suppose so i think i came in from it from that kind of angle and i never really thought about making com like that i could make comics mm-hmm. i don't think because i was always quite like introverted i was always quite down on myself so i never thought that i could really it never really seemed like it was something that people did and i think it wasn't until my masters that i kind of went no i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a try why don't i i went to science in cardiff uh-huh. um and met some people there just, just for the benefit of of people who aren't into academic institutions size is oh it's oh no sorry um size is a comic-con so it what it was it was the cardiff um independent comics expo and it ran for quite a while um i think they just finished um they did their last con last year or the year before okay so um yeah really nice little independent con 
And see, that's, that's me not knowing my independent poems well enough. <laughs> there's so many of them, though. Like, there's, there's tons of them. So there are, though. It's, it's a golden age, really. Yeah, I, I would say a couple of years ago, I think it kind of exploded a little bit, that there were so many you could not keep on top of it. But I think that's fair. It's kind of dropping off a little bit now. But I, 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 think, I think it's sort of finding a happy medium now. I mean, I, I, yeah. But I remember, I mean, back in the... 90s, like when I started going to cons, uh, there was the UK Comic Art Convention in London, and that mm. really was it. Mm. Um, uh, it w- and, and UCAC wasn't really all that big. I mean, it, you would lose one of the 90s UCACs inside MCM. Yeah. Inside any of them, you'd just lose it. Mm. Um, so, you know, things have come on a long way, really. But anyway, sorry, yeah. I'm, inter- I'm interrupting. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> Okay, it kind of feels like I'm I'm quite scattergun when I when I answer questions anyway. So and you are perfect, you are the perfect fit for this show. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I I think I'm pretty sure one of my first I think my first comic was um, Pokemon Pikachu Boogal Electric Boogaloo or something. <laughs> so something <Wow>. very like <laughs> very very uh, commercial and Japanese. But um, yeah, and I just never I never really thought that it was something that I could do until I gave it a go, to be honest. So that's interesting. Um, so I started studying um, film and... Sorry? Sorry, I was just about to interrupt you to ask a question Hello? which you're just about to answer, so carry on. No, no, it's fine. Go for it. You, you thought of getting into comics, you first thought I, that, I, that was a thing I, you could I, do in your, in your master's, but so what was your degree, what was your roots there? Yeah, because I studied... Um, so I did art all through school, and I was... I was I was reasonably good at it and you know my teachers thought I was good but I never really had the confidence and I always thought well I may as well do something academic instead so Mm -hmm. I went to Warwick University to study film and television for two weeks (laughs) and then I dropped out because I knew I made a mistake as soon as I got there and I remember having an interview with the people there saying um Oh, if anybody's listening, because I've, I've encountered quite a few people who are in university and they realise that they want to change or drop out. And it is such a massive decision. Mm. But honestly, like I had to jump through so many hoops because um, this course had a zero percent dropout rate. And when I left, it had like 0.5 or one because of me. That was me. <laughs> so obviously, when you when you want to drop out of a course like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like um, when you want to drop out of a course like that, that's quite difficult to get into. It's very like prestigious. They were all like, are you sure? Now, are you sure you can stay on for a year if you like? And you have to be so like so strong to just be like no i'm leaving i know what i want to do I was gonna say that so that... i left like i left there and I, I i'm sorry what are you gonna say yeah so i was just gonna say that that takes <laughs> I, I, I can absolutely see how much how much courage that actually takes i can i honestly because that was about maybe it was about 12 years ago it must have been 12 13 years ago and i honestly can't remember it in that much detail like i must have blocked it out but i must have been so determined and sure that I'd made the wrong decision and that's the only way I could think about getting through it to be honest because I'm such a like I'm such a bit of a, a, a boob when it comes to things like that now I'm very uh you know I'm, I'm very um what's the word I think uh non-confrontational mm. definitely so I, I don't know how else like I got I got through that to be honest but then I went to um because I knew immediately I made a mistake mm-hmm. um and so I went to Bristol for illustration after that and then from illustration, I did a master's in animation in UE. No, what am I talking about? Not UE, in Glamorgan, University of um, South Glamorgan. So, um, yeah, yeah, 
yeah so that was my like pathway and it was only still my master's when I was like well like I could make comics this is a thing that people do and I think in that time as well it became a lot more accessible to Mm -hmm. start making your own comics because when I was kind of learning to draw um, as a teenager like I read a lot of web comics and there was always this thing of being able to publish your work online with like deviant art and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but um I'd never really thought I could print my stuff and I think that is like a massive emotional feeling to be able to print your own thing I don't know for me it is at least I've made something I mean I'm I'm somebody who has never actually produced a comic that's that's not quite true Uh, with a bunch of mates um, when I was at university in the early 90s, we put together a, a, an anthology comic called Random. It had two two issues, uh, and it was, it was photocopied. It was an A4 photocopied thing, because to be honest, that was really where the technology was at the time. Uh, and I think looking back at it, it's mm. awful. Uh, I still have a copy of issue one, um, <laughs> which, I, which I keep to keep me humble. Um, uh, in my immense, oh, yeah. immense arrogance, um, I sent a, a copy to pretty much every comic store in the country in offering them the immense privilege of buying my comic and <laughs> I think two two shops got back to me one was Judge's Comics in Harrogate which was um, a very small comic shop that did not live for very long mm. and I think they were just being nice because I was local and uh, the other was the magnificent page 45 in Nottingham who oh, wicked who sent me, um, I actually still have the letter they sent me. Oh, yeah. Um, because it's the most grounding thing ever. Because um, <laughs> I, said, I said in my covering letter with the comic that I'd sent um, that we'd been partly funded by my university's student union mm-hmm. um, business enterprise thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the opening sentence was, you got funding for this? Oh! Ow! And he then went on, to to take the comic apart piece by piece and explain how dreadful it was. Oh. Um, honestly, genuinely, it's something that I think my my arrogant twenty year old ass needed to hear. Um, <laughs> it can something like that can go either way, can't it? It can either you know either completely break you or help you. Yeah, and I think I think what I needed to be told at the time was, dude, you're not very good at this. Go and then be better. <laughs> and and in, in Page 45's defence, they sent me a couple of self-published comics um, to say, look, this is what can be done. Mm. But oh, that's good. Honestly, you should aspire to be this. And if you're not this, don't waste your time. Don't waste our time. Mm. Uh, and honestly, I think that was fair. And I, I hope there are still people who would do that now. That's a really interesting question, because... Um... I kind of wonder, there is this question as well, when you um, when you talk about indie work, whether, how do you approach critique? Because mm-hmm. it is difficult. You think everybody's putting themselves out there. Should you be equal in your critique of indie work and pro work? And a lot of people say, well, not to say that indie work isn't pro work, but commercial work, I'll say. Um, you know, yeah. one of the big two, do you put hold them up to the same standard? And on the one hand, of course, you should. But I think there's this wonderful thing that Tim Gunn says in the um when you're going on stage, um, when do you offer when do you tell somebody that they are wearing a hideous dress? You should tell them that they're wearing a hideous dress 
when they are getting changed, when they are just about to leave the house or when they're getting changed and thinking of choices, when they can change things. Yes. When they're about to go on stage, that is not the time to say, you look hideous, you should have worn something different. You can say things like, you have, you know, spinach in your teeth. Or you have, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I kind you've of got feel... to a point where it's, it's, it's too late to change anything it's and you've got late. to go out anyway. And honestly, I think that, like, when it comes to whether what's good enough and what is, you know... I, I honestly feel that now, when you go to a convention anyway, it's like running the gauntlet. I think there's not... It's not really a case of, like, whether you are good enough to be there. Because I think everyone has a chance to sell... And it's whether it's how you react to who approaches your table, what reaction you get about whether you can really succeed at selling at conventions. And I think it's kind of like I, I feel like I'm, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I, I feel like as well that when you whenever you make something, I kind I think that what everyone should keep in mind personally is that um, what is the purpose of this? Like, are you doing this to tell a story that you've always had in your mind and that you kind of just want to get this story out there? If it sells, great. If it doesn't, who cares? Then that's very different to, I think I'm the shit <laughs> and I want to become an amazing comic artist and make this my career. And I think the way that you approach critique is very different because I think if you emailed you know, um, if you, if, sorry, if you, if I'm talking, I'm saying email. Back in the day, you sent this to page <laughs> just for yourself, <laughs> Like when you, um, if you sent all this to um, page 45 and they responded in kind, I think if you, if you sent them a message saying, I am amazing, this is amazing and you should invest in me, then that kind of provokes, provokes the response of, actually, no, but you can be, and this is what you should aim for. Oh, yes, for sure. I mean, you if, know what I mean? If I had, I mean, there's no way I would have, because if you'd known me when I was 20, you'd have hated me. I was a, <laughs> I was a dick. Um, <laughs> but if, if I approached page 45 and said, me and my friends have made this, we'd quite like to work in comics, we'd quite like you to put this on your shelves, mm. what do you think? How can you yeah. improve? If I'd done that, I suspect that it'd been much nicer to me. But that's not what I did. Um, <laughs> I, 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 as I say, I, I basically offered them the privilege of stocking my my comic. That was the attitude that I had at the time, and I absolutely deserved the kicking he gave me. Mm. I absolutely deserved it. I think that's something that I bear in mind now, um, because I'm a shop, mm. and <laughs> I, mean, I have a very straightforward policy on small press which is, if you ask me to put it on my shelf and you don't expect any money up front from me, I don't care what it is, I will put it on my shelf, and if it sells, I will give you the money. Mm. If, if you want me to pay you up front, your work had better be good, because I've got a limited amount of money and a limited amount of space, yeah. and if something that I've paid for is taking up shelf space, I need to be pretty clear that somebody is going to pay me money to take it off that shelf space yeah. And if that's if I don't think that's going to happen, it doesn't matter whether I actually, it's generally, it doesn't actually matter whether I like your comic or whether I like you. I can't mm. afford it. Yeah. Because it's it's something that I I've never really appreciated until I was a business, but I'm a business, and it's it's something that I haven't really appreciated until I was a business. But so are you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you as an artist, you can't afford to just chuck stuff out there. Mm. Yeah, you need to you need to be fairly sure that you're going to get some return on on the time that you've invested in 
producing your work. Mm. Which is why it infuriates me when people suggest that people do things for exposure. Oh, goodness. Oh, no. That's... Mm. Hmm. I think, well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to... Sorry, I've gone off on a tangent now. No, I don't want to run away on that is, so. Ooh. Well, it's one of those things that a lot of people are like, never do anything for exposure. Like, at all. Don't do it. Everyone should set a standard of what you're worth. But I think it's very much... It's something that you have to kind of navigate yourself. And I think there's different ways to get paid. Sure. In the sense of if it is if it is going to be really great exposure you know and as long as it's worth as long as you think that it's worth your while it's when people approach artists i haven't had many people in fairness approach me and ask for requests or stuff for exposure luckily touch wood um but um i haven't had people say that to me but i think when you solicit people for like for work for exposure that's disgusting <laughs> i think you know yeah. it's very different to have someone email you and say look i'm really sorry and i know this is a shot in the dark and you must get this all the time is there any chance you could do this it would be really great exposure but i completely understand if not that's mm-hmm. one thing but if it's like hey i got a job for you like i was watching something the other day where um i was listening to someone talking about this drama that's erupted recently on youtube of someone saying that they commissioned someone when actually what they did was i will use your art and not pay you but i will give you tons of exposure and they called it a commission well, and that's, that's not a commission disgusting. yeah that's not yeah. a commission mate. <laughs> you see, I, was, I was a little bit conscious of this when i, I started trying to put together the art trail for mm. because i've got zero budget <laughs> and so I am sort of asking people to loan me stuff, mm-hmm. and all I'm offering is exposure, but I think the difference, certainly the way I squared it with my own conscience, was I'm not saying this is great exposure for you as an artist, what I'm actually saying is I want you to help me give exposure to the medium of comics, yeah. so that people who are not into comics will see it, yeah. um, because my, my vision for the art trail is... Um, um, Sorry, uh, podcast listeners, this is kind of Harrogate-centric, but Harrogate is a weird little town. Um, It's supported a comic shop for 15 years, which is pretty good going for a town this size, to be honest. So there there are people who are into comics here, but most people are not. And when I talk to to most people in Harrogate who aren't my customers about comics, they think it's all superheroes. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to do with Thought Bubble of all things coming to town is kind of show people that it isn't and put stuff that is comics but isn't superheroes or at least isn't just superheroes places that they'll see it Mm -hmm. without them having to go look for it just that it will be there in the coffee shop they go to every day anyway and so that they can they can see it and and maybe just appreciate oh this is more interesting than i thought yeah perhaps i'll i'll check this out um, I, I, I sort of think that's kind of important. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. And I think it's, um, that is not, I would not put that on the same level as people calling, asking for commissions that are actually, can no. I have some free well, work? I suppose the other, the other. I think that's like asking that for that kind of thing. I kind of felt like when I was talking to you about it, that it was, that's, that sounds like common practice to me. Like if you're, doing an exhibition or you know if you're doing any mm. kind of event like that 
that seems like the way that most people go about it. I don't think, unless you are someone like Damien Hurst, <laughs> like, like you're not going to have like I was, an appearance. I suppose the other aspect of it is that there really isn't anything in it for me. Um, yeah. Except, except I suppose if I if I increase the, the market for comics in Herobit, I'd benefit from that because I'm the only comic shop in town. But um, you know, I'm not taking a cut of anything here. I'm not making any money out of this. It's mm-hmm. it's just a thing that I'm doing because I think it, it's cool. Mm. Yeah, it sounds cool. Still making about me though, so let's get back to you. <laughs> See, this is what I was saying about being quite uh, <laughs> introverted. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about you. Cool. <laughs> um, so, you you did you you done your degree in illustration. You went on and did your masters, and it was during your masters you kind of thought, hang on a minute, maybe <laughs> maybe I could do this. Um, so so what was it that made you think that? What was the trigger? What was the spark? I think going to um, that convention, really, uh-huh. just going to, which is why it's such a shame that it's, you know, it's understandable why the people running it wanting to wanted to stop, but you know, it was it was a bit of a wrench when they said they were they weren't going to sure, run it. I mean, all I can say is that I've never organised a convention. Oh God, yeah. Um, but but from my experience of trying to organise one tiny little event at mm. somebody else's convention, I can completely oh, yeah. understand why people stop doing it. Because well, it was it's um, hugely time-consuming. It's a, it's yeah. a big thing. Yeah, it's you know completely understandable, and I think it was um is is Macaulay, if I want to say, was running it at the time, and yeah, it's completely understandable. Like mm. you know, and she did such an amazing job. Um, you know, really nice atmosphere. Um, you know, completely, yeah. But um, it's when I think I went to one in twenty eleven. I want to say twenty eleven, twenty twelve. And I met people like um, the people from uh, oh, Lou Scannon were there. Mm-hmm. I picked up Lou Scannon. I think I picked up Moon. I think I picked up... Um... Oh, Moon is so good. <laughs> I'm <laughs> desperate here for him to make Moon available to comic shops. He won't let comic shops have it. It's <laughs> only available at conventions from his table. Oh, I think, yeah, it's, it's quite... It's logistics, I think. And I think oh, he's no, got, like, a full-time job. It's such you know, a good comic. Yeah, yeah it's, good. It's, all, it's great. And, um, yeah, I think I met, like, Danny Abram and uh, people like that mm-hmm. there, which is really good. And I think it was just everyone was so nice and supportive. And I, I tell you what, I did tell... I think I, I, I forgot. I did try and make a comic on my foundation year. And I made four... Um, I illustrated a poem... And I did four pages and it took me so long. I was like, why does anybody do this? There's no way I can do this. <laughs> and I found them today and was just like, yeah, most of these panels are black. So what was I on about? But um, yeah, so uh, I had that in the back of my mind. Mm. But I think when I did it as part of my course, so I was like, well, I have to make this comic now because I have to get everything handed in by the end of june i think it was so i kind of have to do it now and throughout my career i think i've just found that if i give myself deadlines i will get things done and if i don't then it won't happen so um yeah so I, I i'm gonna throw that in as a top tip actually yeah. to anybody who wants to to make anything creative to be honest yeah um because if you don't have a deadline one of two things happens either you do what i always do um and this has come up on the podcast before I started writing a novel in 1992. <laughs> um, it's a trilogy. It's all planned out in my head. I'm kind of on chapter three. Um, <laughs> it, 
So, so either that happens, you just procrastinate because there's... Yeah. Or the perfect becomes the enemy of the good. And yes. because, you, because you don't have a, a, a point, a deadline you've got to meet, a point where it has to be done, mm. you keep tweaking it because you're never happy. And, but if you've got a deadline, if it has to be finished a week on Thursday, then whatever you've got a week on Thursday, that's what you've got. Yeah. And you may or may not be completely happy with it, but it's got to go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think if you don't have that, you never get finished because you're never completely happy with your work. Yeah. Um, unless you're 20-year-old me, of course. Just, yeah, <laughs> and then it's perfect and everything's amazing. 20-year-old me, everything think, is perfect. I think all of us need a little bit of that, though, to be like, you know, otherwise you won't have the confidence to get anything done. Because sure. um, I think going to conventions, it is like running the gauntlet. You will get the best and the worst people. Um, so you do need that little voice being like, it is good. I do believe in it. I will get this out. But um, yeah, um, one thing that my tutor said at Bristol, because it was very like in Bristol, it's all very... um. Uh, editorial guardian style illustration (laughs) so they all wanted us to be very like i I don't use this word in a derogative sense but i just mean it in a hipster way Mm. that they all wanted us to be quite you know ah look at it from a different perspective and have you tried drawing this with uh with with twigs and you know it was very um maybe not as airy fairy as that but when when you were bristol um oh god 2000 i think i graduated in 2011 and then i did my master's 2011 2012 Uh, so you you were in bristol for the end of the bristol comics festivals really i don't think i knew they were going on i've got to say which sounds terrible but i just was completely i I I wouldn't be mortified that you said that i know it's terrible and it's more on me than on them i've got to say no it's not Um, because I hadn't even thought about making comics mm. then. Because I, I was very much in the, like, indie illustration scene, but not so much in the comics yeah. scene. Yeah, no, it's just that Bristol... Because I, I started going to conventions um, with the UCACs in the early mm. to mid-90s. Um, the last UK comic art convention was in Manchester in 98. And then Kev Sutherland decided that, I can do that. I can organise mm. a con. That's easy. <laughs> Um, it's fine. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> uh, but of course, Kev was in Bristol, so so he he did the the Bristol Comics Festival in 1999. Mm-hmm. It started out really small, and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. But that's where I met most of the people I know in comics now. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I I because it, it was one of those weird things. It, it it sort of lots of things happened at the same time by pure coincidence. I got my first computer uh, and mm. got on the internet in 1999 because mm. I got onto a teacher training course in 1999, and so that justified me forking out a thousand quid for a computer. It wasn't uh, a tiny one, a huge brick. I was massive. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah. Um, and and I got on the internet. Um, obviously, the first thing I put in was comics, um, and I I found a Yahoo chat group uh, uh, based around the Comics International Comics newspaper, which was a thing at the time. Um, and I went to the first Bristol and met a few people and then I started writing what at the time was called a column because nobody had invented the word blog yet. Um, <laughs> and I, I started writing a thing for a, a comics website and doing reviews and stuff. Then I went to the second Bristol and met, picked up a few things, met a few people, reviewed a few things. Uh, I met Tony Lee that year. I met Bevis Moosen that year. And um, the, following, the year after that, I met the other Richmond brothers. 
Oh, wicked. Who, who were their first con, and honestly, they haven't changed a bit. <laughs> except, except, if anything, in sort of 2001, 2002, they had even more energy than they do now. Oh, my God. I know. It's scary. Um, <laughs> and I've written a review of um, Tony Lee and um, Dan Boltwood's comic, The Glue, mm-hmm. um, in, in, in which I'd... I'd said something like, this is amazing, you have to buy this, I don't care if you have to sell a kidney, just do it. And for some reason, Tony latched onto that and was like, that was amazing, we sold so many comics off the back of that, and he put it on the back of the... <laughs> it's I'm, a good pull quote. I'm, 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 I'm pull used quote. as a pull quote and stuff. And so Tony then introduced me to people, and I met more people, and, and mm-hmm. suddenly I knew loads of people in comics, it was great. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, I met um, Dallas and Selena Locke then, and the Goodman Brothers, and so many people who are going to be at Thorbubble this year. Because they're at Thorbubble every year, folks. And that really got me deeply into um, indie comics and, and self published stuff. Mm. Um, and I, I, sort of ever since, I've, I've kind of sorted out. Because there's so much interesting stuff going on mm-hmm. with all of that. That um, makes me annoyed now that I missed it. <laughs> but then again, I think I wasn't particularly. I was saying, perhaps, as I you say, would, perhaps you would have appreciated it at the time. It wasn't yeah, I think I might. I probably would have done. Because, you know, as soon as I started getting into this, I was a bit like, where have you been all my life? Um, <laughs> you know, so I think I would have enjoyed it. But yeah they were really good I, I, they, they kind of dropped off around about sort of 2008 2009 oh I might have just missed it then. I'm not quite sure I'm not quite yeah. sure when Kev bowed out mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but um, the people who took it over from him had a slightly different vision which is mm-hmm. no knock on at all um, but it, it became less and less my thing I think the last one I went to was 2010 because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think I always had in my mind before I went to the in the smaller indie cons and you know years ago that it was this like comic book guy kind of thing do you know what i mean would you, would you have this kind of idea of what a comic con should be it, yeah. what, not what it should be or what it is yes and from what you see in like films and television i, mean, I, was like, I am so well the stereotype if yeah I, if, and do you know what i apologize to anybody who's listening on her community radio right now who's walked past my shop on the way to the lift at the everyman and has said this, if I hear one more person mention the Big Bang Theory... Oh my goodness, um, no. There may be a small act of violence done. Cause, oh. Yeah, cause, because that is what people think comic shops are. And some well, are. There are comic yeah. shops like that. I think, well, you just got to... You know, I, I think it's one thing people walking past Comic Village or... And in MCM and going, mm-hmm. oh, hurry, hurry up! Let's get let's get through this bit. It's just the comics, and it's another thing. Someone coming over to the table and going, oh, I'm into Big Bang Theory. Is it kind of like that? And you just kind of think, oh, sweet, sweet child. Let me show, <laughs> let me it's, introduce you to this wonderful world. We have some that terrible to show you. Con. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I kind of feel that there are a couple of people that have bought my stuff and have said this is the first comic I've ever read. Um, so oh, that's yeah, quite a big thing. I, yeah, and I always kind of hold on to that, and I'm like, well, if this is your first interaction with a, a comics artist, this is the first comic artist, this is the comic that you've ever bought. I kind of want your interaction to be great, and this comic to be as best, as good as I can make it. That's kind of mm. how I always approach um, like exhibiting and making comics. So yeah, I think it's worth <laughs> um, as as a as a punter. Um, I think that shows. 
Actually, uh, your your production values are very very high. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I I I try. I I as I say, like I was literally Marie Kondoing my my room today and going through all of my old work and to see the progression is quite yeah it's 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 quite humbling. <laughs> Um, you know, and so, finding ancient sketches, <laughs> kind of like, oh, I was obviously thinking about this when I was really young, you know, some characters and ideas that mm. just kind of stayed with me, I guess. But, so, I mean, the mm. first comic of yours that I ever saw, because it's the one you sent me um, mm. after after I did my little appeal, was The Heart of Time. Mm-hmm. Is that the first thing you did? Yes. No, that was the first thing that I did. Um, because the idiot that I was, I jumped straight into um, what a, a long, long form series. <laughs> <laughs> Which now I'm just like, why, why did I do that? Um, and I had the biggest. It was, it was really, in, it was great because it kind of introduced me to making comics. I did my first Kickstarter through it. I did tons of things with it, and it was it was great. I really enjoyed it, and I know lots of people like it. But it just sent, oh my goodness! Like I look back on it now, and I just remember feeling that I kind of trapped myself in yeah. this story, and kind of because I was learning how to make comics through making this one series. There were lots of like issues with the first chapters that, yeah, I just was not happy with how it was looking, and just yeah, I think it's not really kind of like an exaggeration to say it kind of set me on a bit of a depression spiral <laughs> which sounds like a big and a huge like that sounds terrible but at the same time it kind of gave me the impetus to try out new stories to try yeah. out and push myself harder to work in a style that I enjoy and that I like the look of and um so it's kind of it's been on hiatus for a, for a, for a while um I'd like to get back to it but I have to be honest that was going to be a question because yeah. um I, I have been asked yeah, people people ask me, um, not occasionally, occasionally, because I think most people now, I kind of, I think um, the series that I'm working on at the moment that I'm just finishing up, MPCT, has kind of, I think it's had, it's got a bit more of a spread. Mm-hmm. So um, I think most people that see me at conventions now kind of know me from this, which is to say that everyone who knows me from half time is old school and, uh, you know, liked this before it was cool (laughs) (laughs) happy to be a hipster (laughs) but um yeah but i'd like to get back to it i think um especially looking back over it as well because it's like you know Hmm. although although it's kind of at the time i was sick of it and i needed to try something new i kind of i have good memories of it too so i would i would like to go back definitely well that's 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 good to know because i Speaking personally, I quite like to know what happens next. Um, <laughs> so, so then you moved on to MPCT, which you've just mentioned. Um, and I have a, a couple of things to say about that, really, because I, I, really, I really love MPCT. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, it's it's a very comfortable read. Yeah? Um, uh, that possibly doesn't sound quite like the compliment it was supposed to be. Um, but it's, 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 I, I like the, the straightforwardness of the setting. It's a yeah. tea shop. <laughs> and it, maybe it's because I live in Harrogate, and 
we have something of an affinity with tea shops here. Mm-hmm. But it's an environment everybody recognises. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't need to be explained because we just recognise it, which makes it easier to fit in the more mystical and fantastical elements of the story, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're, they're against a familiar backdrop. Um, but also, and this is unusual for me, because I'm not actually really an art guy. I, I like a good piece of art, as my, which is the next man, but honestly, what I really dig about comics is the stories mm-hmm. and, the, and the way that comics allow stories to be told. The mm. art isn't the first isn't my first con- consideration usually but the first time I picked up NPCT1 back whenever that was it was certainly at Thought Bubble I can't remember which one it was um the preview came out Thought Bubble 2016 or 2017 I think it's 2016 so that was the preview it was probably um, then in that case yeah um, if it came with a little bag of tea and it was like oh, yeah, do you know, I think, I, do you know what I think I might have been the year later hmm I might have been... bit, I'll have to sit down and think about it I might have been the <laughs> year later whatever it was yeah I don't remember getting a little bag of tea is what I'm saying mm-hmm. I was absolutely captivated by the way you use colour <laughs> in that comic uh, and I know I'm not the only one every so often I get um, people in the shop who aspire to do what you do, really, is just to self-publish stuff. Mm-hmm. And NPCT is always something that I show them. And it always, it always, it always gets the same reaction, which is, I didn't know you could do that with colour. <laughs> That's really... Um, and for the benefit of readers who haven't seen it, uh, readers, I, I think I've probably been listeners, readers have probably <laughs> seen it. Um, for, the ben- <laughs> for the benefit of listeners who haven't seen this, drop into Destination Venus, I will happily show you. <laughs> uh, what you do is you use different colour palettes to show which bit of the story, which bit of the narrative we're looking at. Yeah. At least that's, I, I'm explaining this really bad. In fact, why am, I, why am I even trying to explain this? <laughs> no, so, thank talk you. Talk to me about how you use colour in PCT. So, basically, I'm going to explain the boring part of it first in that. I started using, I wanted to do a limited, well, I I was thinking about doing a comic in black and white or maybe using screen tones um, because I don't really see myself as a colorist. It's the job when I think about making comics, it's the part of making the comics making process that I like the least personally when it comes to my comics. Mm -hmm. I don't mind coloring other people's stuff, but my stuff, that's always like my last port of call. And I'm always like, I just want to get this comic out. Why am I still colouring? So um, it was born out of necessity, really, because I wanted to speed up my drawing process. But also because um, what I do is every scene and um, sometimes um, colours are related to characters or to themes. um, I change the colour palette Mm -hmm. um, so that this was also because I didn't like having um, direct like boxes that says meanwhile and in another part of the city just because I find them personally when I write I find it a little bit jarring it kind of brings you out of the experience a little bit to have that so I think when we have a time jump or when we have like um, a change in location I think having obviously there are other visual clues and dialogue clues to say that it's now in a different time in a different place but I think the colours really help that yeah so yeah I think um and I just found when I started making because I always say that when I started making NPCT it was when I wasn't feeling too great in myself and over the process of making NPCT I have had oh this huge saga of 
ridiculous health issues that are just annoying. But um, so it's kind of been a, almost therapy for me as I've been making this. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you say that it's like a comfortable feeling because that's kind of what I wanted to get across, really. I wanted to have something that was characters that you're really invested in that, you know, that you kind of want to sit down and have a conversation with that are all quite distinct that yeah and almost this sounds really cheesy but I kind of wanted it to be like when you sit down and you're like ah this comic feels like a hug <laughs> like, yeah, well, I I think... from a lot of a lot of comics that I read that I enjoy like I really enjoy um Princess Jellyfish and like Yotsuba and um stuff that's very like <laughs> yeah, no, I think you succeeded in that. I really do. Oh, that's good to know. Thank you. Because <laughs> although it's kind of like um, as the story goes on, it does become a lot more stressful, a lot more fantastical. There are like horror elements as well in some parts of the dialogue because mm -hmm. um, they've all got had their very typical D and D inspired thing. They've all got their dark backstories. You know. Yeah, I think actually possibly we should we should maybe pause for a second and just just do the quick elevator pitch of what NPCT yeah? is because not everyone read it. <laughs> Would you like me to do my pitch that I do at conventions? Okay. So this is about a tea shop in Cardiff that's run by orcs, elves and other fancy creatures. It's inspired by things like Dungeons and Dragons, Lord of the Rings, Final Fantasy. And it starts off as kind of like a slice of life tea shop chilled out environment and it descends into um a high fantasy set in a modern day setting so yeah that is my comic and so there are lots of like direct references to those things like in the background there'll be references to especially final fantasy 9 um and it kind of plays fast and loose with all of these like fantasy tropes so there are elves and orcs but you know th there's things that'll be familiar things that i've made up just an excuse to draw loads of cute orcs to be honest <laughs> it's a good excuse is all i can tell um and i know particular i can't remember where i saw this in fact i'm not even i'm not even sure if i'm even dreaming it but I seem to remember seeing something somewhere where you you had a picture of the empty space in Cardiff where the tea shop is. Yes. It's a, it's um, a real yeah. place that just isn't a tea yeah, shop. Yeah, so the reason that I put it there, so it's on, if you know Cardiff, it's on Womanby Street. So it's good visually because you can get the castle in the background. It's basically a road that leads up to um cardiff castle mm -hmm. um but also in terms of where you're going to put a tea shop it's really shit because <laughs> it's surrounded by nightclubs um and there is no foot traffic like through traffic in the day so no one is going to be popping in usually for a cup of tea on this street so um the whole point is that the guy who runs the tea shop Bryn, is very kind of crotchety he likes tea um, if someone comes in and asks for um, like a uh, a breakfast tea or a latte, he basically runs them out of the shop. Um, and so very combined... fun, I have to say. <laughs> Hipster orcs do not have a good time in the shop. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so combined with the location, it's kind of yeah, it's it's not a recipe for a good business. But um, yeah, so if you do know Cardiff, there are familiar settings at the moment. Um, the um, so they go to a ball that's in the Angel Hotel. Um, and also the finale is all going to be in the haze in Cardiff. So there's this huge sculpture that's going to be involved in it a lot. 
too. So yeah, yeah. So in in real life, it's an empty car park where this tea shop is. <laughs> so in a parallel universe, that's where the tea shop is. Because I, I mean, I, I confess I don't know Cardiff. Everything <laughs> I've never been to Cardiff. Everything I know about yeah. Cardiff comes from watching Doctor Who and Torchwood. Um, <laughs> the Yanto Shrine is still there. We went uh, there the other day. Which the makes Yanto me sad. Is, I, one of these days I will okay. visit Yanto Shrine. Um, oh. But, although I don't know Cardiff, I think there's something about the way you portray the city mm. that makes it feel real. And I think perhaps it is because you're using places that actually exist. Mm. And you've thought about, okay, this is actually a car park, but if there was a tea shop here, this is what it would look like. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, and you've thought about, you know, rather than just sort of drawing a random street mm. um, and sticking Cardiff Castle in the background because it's supposed to be Cardiff. You've actually yeah. got a real street that mm-hmm. you actually can see the castle from. It really has, I think, made the setting feel very real. Maybe I wouldn't be. Maybe if I knew Cardiff, I'd be sitting there thinking, "Well, there's not a tea shop there." Um, <laughs> but but it does give the the locations a real sense of place. On the contrary, though, because when the whole reason that I did that's good thank you that's good to know but um yeah the whole reason that i did it was because when i did heart of time that's also set in cardiff mm-hmm. because i live here and i like it write what you know and add in elves and orcs but when i was selling it to people at conventions or when i was telling people about it i was saying yes it is set in cardiff and i think i had maybe one panel that showed a st mary street which is one of the main streets in cardiff mm-hmm. and that was it and i was kind of like it's a bit of a shame i feel that if it's going to be set in such a recognizable place it should be you know, I like to have those little nods for everyone who lives here to be like, oh, yeah, that is where, you know, I've, I've been there or I've seen this. I think it, you know, just to give it a good for sure. sense yeah. of place, I think. Yeah. So most people that I've shown it to have gone, oh, my God. Yeah. Because um, I sold it um, at one convention. I think it was somewhere in like, I think it was in Manchester, like ages away from Cardiff. Someone bought it and they were like, the whole reason that I bought it was because, um, or among other things, I hope, but was because they worked at the nightclub that was next door to where this magical tea shop is. So oh, next door is like it. a fuel nightclub. Mm-hmm. And I'd drawn in like I'd drawn in fuel and I'd written like, you know, I'd done the signs, obviously like changed the logos a little bit because I'm not sure copyright wise, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they were like, yeah, I work there. So I'm going to show everyone how funny. And so we just chatted about Cardiff for a while. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think people get a kick out of it and I I enjoy it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's, I really, I, I, it's nice for, for things to have a real sense of place. I mean, even though I think... I, one of the things I like about Marvel comics, as opposed to, I'm, I'm kind of a DC guy, if I'm honest, but mm-hmm. one of the things I think Marvel has the edge is that they set their stories in places that are real. Mm. You know, Gotham City and Metropolis are all very well, but New York's <laughs> a real place. Mm. And, you know, Hell's Kitchen is a real place. If I ever get myself to New York, I can go and walk the streets that Daredevil looks after. Yeah. Uh, and you can't do that with Gotham or Metropolis because they're not real. And I think mm. having, having, having a real place that people could visit if they wanted to and that people who are from there could actually recognise, I think it's quite a powerful thing. It's, um, 
yeah, I, I think it, it's just what you do with it, to be honest. Um, because I think on the other hand, that means that Metropolis can be anything that you want it to be. So every new writer that takes it on. But then again, I suppose when you're talking about real cities, everyone has a different view. You know, even small places. You know, like London. I always find it funny when people are like, oh, I hate London. And it's like London is like 12, 20 different towns and cities all kind of stuck together. Mm. It's so different. Um, depending on where you are but um, it, it's funny though because I remember at a convention ages ago this guy came up to me and I'll always I have I haven't had people like this in a while but there was a, a period in time when I was just attracting these people and I was just just so weird and not nice <laughs> I don't know how this is happening I was being very maybe it was because I was being so polite to people <laughs> that they thought they could speak to me like this but this guy came over and I was pitching it was when I was pitching NPCT because before I brought out the first issue I was doing little previews that came with a little thing of teas it was only like six pages mm-hmm. it was kind of to pitch the idea to see whether it was basically like a big fancy ash can yeah. um to see what people thought about it and um, this guy was like, hmm, interesting, interesting. I was on board until you said it was set in Cardiff. And now I just think, no, no. And I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Okay. He's like, well, the thing is, Harry Potter doesn't get the Hogwarts Express to Barry, does he? He goes, he goes somewhere, you know, he doesn't get on the Hogwarts Express and goes to somewhere that you recognize. It's a magical place. If it was set in a magical place, then I'd be interested. I was like, cool, okay, thank you. <laughs> and he spent the entire time just being like, well, I know these things, so you should listen to me and you should change it. I don't think you're going to, you know, I, I, if you change it to a magical place, then it will be, um, you will sell tons of it. I know these things because I'm a producer and I know these things. I've sold stuff to Channel 4 and I was just like, cool. Yeah, no. My only response to that is... That's a perfect example of why you shouldn't take everybody's notes. Because what? Yeah. It's one one of those things, I think, if you are a smiley, approachable, because I'm quite short in real life, and at the time I think I was about maybe 26, 27, and I was very much like, hi, look at my comics. Um, You you know I have to say quite approachable at your table. Yeah, which is, I like being approachable. You don't put out intimidating vibes. But at the same time, that doesn't intimidate the horrible people away either. Because <laughs> I've had people throw comics at me before. I had somebody, I, 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 just so many. There was this guy who was just like, I'm anti-pug and just threw my comic on the table. Um, and stormed what? off. Um, yeah, oh, like I was him part of time and he just went... <laughs> Yeah, and at the time I was like, cool, pugs, pugs are cute, I'm going to put a pug in this. And that was literally my whole thought process. <laughs> it looks cute, it'll be funny. Um, and I said, it's about time travel. Yeah. And a girl gets lost in time. And also her sidekick, Pug. And she was, he was holding the comic and he was like, a pug, an anti-pug. And he literally like lets go of the comic so it drops on the table and stormed off. No, so I sort of want to know where this guy lives now, so I, so I can send him a copy of Battle Pug. Yeah, exactly. Like I think I, t- I was um, tabling next to Mike Norton at um, London Super Comic Con ages ago, and I was a little bit in awe because it's like, oh, it's him. Hello, but he's so friendly and lovely and nice. And um, I think I told him that story. <laughs> <He's just laughs> like what? You get some strange 
English people. I always think like, because um, I have done lecturing and workshops before mm-hmm. um, with students and kids and stuff. And I, especially with students, I think if you're in any way inclined to make your own work and to freelance and to, you know, be a make comics or anything like this, I always recommend just for the experience going to a convention and trying to sell your work face to face with the public mm. because you get so much more of a thicker skin you learn so much about you know what appeals the people that you should listen to the people that you shouldn't looking at everyone else around you learning stuff and also just the process of getting stuff ready and print making work to sell is amazing it's um it's a really good learning experience yeah Yeah. i mean i i haven't had the experience of going to a con and selling my own stuff because Mm. i've never had the discipline to get my own stuff made i signed a contract with marcosia in 2005 Mm -hmm. to do a four issue miniseries oh wow you can see how that turned out because um (laughs) it's 2019 and hasn't happened yet if you're listening i'm so sorry um (laughs) but i have had the experience of going to a con and selling other people's stuff because that's kind mm-hmm. of what I do. And even that is a logistical exercise. Mm. I mean, Thought Bubble is what, five weeks away, six weeks away, something like that. Oh, don't. Oh, and my I'm, goodness. I've, I've been working out what I'm taking, how I'm getting it there, what mm. I need to take, what I need to have in reserve. I've been thinking about that for a good two months already. Mm. Um, and so people like you who go to several conventions a year i mean thought bubble is basically the only con i do mm-hmm. um so the idea that you've got your you're, you're producing your own stuff to take to multiple conventions a year mm-hmm. and having to 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 manage all of that and get the logistics sorted out of that making sure you've got things printed and sent to the printer in time yeah i can't even oh. begin to comprehend the amount of work that goes into that i've got to say a, a, a shout outs are okay if you ever want to get stuff printed and you're looking at who to go with the printer that i go with and a lot of people um i want to say used but that sounds really like, horrible that a lot of people use employ? yeah employee is um as i mentioned before um comic printing uk so rich is just amazing so when it comes to getting stuff done he's so understanding he um you know you want someone to be professional when you're talking about your work, even if you are indie and you're just starting out. And he is like that. He wants you to make the best work and to give you the best job that he can. And that's so helpful to find a good printer and good providers for this kind of stuff. It's half the battle. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Clearly, I've never had cause to employ a printer, but um, I... I know I know of Rich from other people. Mm. Um, uh, yes, we are going to do such a thing. Who's the guy I'd go to? I think he prints about sixty percent of all comic <laughs> independent comics in the UK. I've got to say, um, you know, he does an awful lot. Because, yeah, yeah, because his his work is just so good. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's been weird this cycle. So and um, this season for comic conventions, I don't do as many as other people. I speak to um, some people I know. I think is it Faye Sims was saying how many cons she's done this year, and it's something ridiculous, like eighteen or something. You just think, wow, oh, okay. But um, I literally, I think I just do MCM London, maybe sometimes at Birmingham or a Manchester MCM and Thought Bubble, and True Believers in Cheltenham, which is really good. Usually my only ones, I sometimes throw in a couple of other ones as well, like smaller indie ones. But um, yeah, but this time, because I've had um, 
uh, I've had a few issues come up. I've had to kind of say I'm I've got doc for this convention and I've got things prep, but I won't be finishing issue seven, for instance, for MCM. I will get it for Thought Bubble, but not for MCM. Mm-hmm. So kind of being like working to that deadline rather than this one is really weird because <laughs> usually at this stage I'm like right. What have I got to get to the printer? What have I got to, you know, when is Rich's deadline? Like, when is the, um, you know, I'm just thinking, okay, so I've just got to get my business cards, maybe get a new roller banner, get stuff reprinted, and I'm ready. <laughs> Which is really strange. You know, I'm, I'm kind of working, uh, I'm obviously getting pages out and getting the pages done, but I'm like, okay, cool. So I've just got to work to my thought bubble deadline. Excellent. Okay. It's really strange because it's just when you look at, if you follow um, comic artists on Twitter who are going to Thought Bubble and MCM, it's funny watching them building up to deadlines. Mm-hmm. So now I'm kind of like, even though I know that my deadline is for Thought Bubble and not MCM, I'm kind of like, every time I open Twitter and I see someone like posting, oh my goodness, I need to get this ready. Like I get little heart palpitations. <laughs> It's difficult to keep a sense of perspective and to be a bit more responsible about it because especially when it's just you because I've had to physically say I am not well I need to take time off but because it's just you it's really hard to not be like but why aren't you working you need to work even when you're like yeah as a, as a self-employed person like I can relate very strongly yes yes and people are just like why are you doing that and it's really hard to explain why <laughs> but it, it is a it is a compulsion isn't it you, you... yeah you kind of have to it's yeah and even, and when you're not working it's like i i want to I want to beat myself up about it. Why aren't I working? Why aren't I? So it's it's difficult to get into, yeah, to, to be responsible. <laughs> but you do, and the end result is spectacular. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad people enjoy it. And I think because it's a project that I've kind of, as I said before, when I wrote it and when I'm making it now, it is almost like a kind of therapy to me. Obviously, I try and be... I try, I try not to make it sound like fan fiction of my own characters. <laughs> like, I try and make it... I try and keep an editorial eye over it and to make sure that, you know, hope, sometimes I get other readers to look in on it as well and give the script a bit of a tweak and, you know, um, mm-hmm. make sure that I'm not going too far off the rails. But um, because of that, it's kind of... It's really close to my heart. So when people say they enjoy it, I, I do get a little bit emotional i'm not gonna lie yeah well, i think we've earned that to be honest um mm. it is i don't want to fanboy out too much because <laughs> that would be unprofessional but I, mean, <laughs> I, I do i do really love npc2 i think mean, it's an absolutely fantastic piece of work i wish i could take um compliments well some people are like yeah thanks great that's lovely and i'm just like oh thank you as, as somebody who, who doesn't take compliments well i, I won't waver the point but um but no, you should know that you've got a, i can tell you from personal experience you have a, a number of fans in Harrogate, uh, and i can only assume therefore that you have a number of fans everywhere else too it's I mean, we, 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 we've gone over the hour mark um, so we should probably be winding this up now because I'm sure you've got better things to do with your time and talk to me. Um, so you're coming to Thought Bubble in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you will have stuff in the art trail which people uh, in Harrogate can see. Um, so if you happen to be one of the privileged few who live in Harrogate, you'll be able to see that. Um, everybody else, if you're coming to Thought Bubble, which you should do because it's the best con in the country. Okay. 
It's so good. And I would honestly be saying that if it wasn't in Harrogate. I, I've, I've thought it was a football for a long time. Because uh, it is. It's, it's, it's the only club I've ever been to, even more so than Bristol used to be. It's mm. purely focused on comics. The, the, so many things bury themselves as comic cons. Um, MCM, I'm kind of looking at you a bit. But then they have some comics, but they've also got 15 tables full of Funko Pops and the guy who was fifth Stormtrooper from the left. <laughs> and, you know, some bloke who's promoting a show on sci-fi. <laughs> and, and so it's not really comics. Comics aren't the main focus. At Thought Bubble, comics is what it's about. And the passion that everybody has at Thought Bubble for the medium and art form that is sequential art, graphic narrative, comics, whatever whatever you want to call it. Um, it's it's infectious and it's palpable. And I love Thought Bubble so much. Honestly, I cannot tell you how happy I was <laughs> when I found out it was coming to, to my hometown. It's ridiculous. Yes. I'm excited. I've been to the... Um, the one in Leeds was obviously very fun. Mm -hmm. um, but it'll be interesting. I'm interested to see what it's going to be like in Harrogate. There's a, little bit, there's a little bit of local pride mm -hmm. um, in that Leeds... Look, if I'm going to be honest, Leeds gives <laughs> itself airs, all right? It's, it's, Don't hold back. It's the, biggest, it's the biggest city in Yorkshire. Yeah. Which makes it the only city that really counts in the world because nothing else in Yorkshire really matters. Um, <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> Okay. And it, it kind of looks at us as the little provincial pretty little town Ooh. that sits on its outskirts and, mm. you know, does tea shops. Mm. But Leeds hasn't got a venue big enough for Thought Bubble, and we have. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't want to go too much, because I know that the, the organisers of Thought Bubble really wanted to keep it in Leeds, and I utterly respect that. But there's a bit of me, just a little bit of me that's within my hands, um, going, well, you really see, you couldn't do it, we can't see you. Ours now. <laughs> Something, actually, do you know what? That was completely accurate. I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> it sounds kind of like the relationship that Cardiff has with Bristol. That Bristol is very much yeah, like... Probably, uh -huh. yes, probably. Yeah. You just want to be Bristol. And Cardiff's just like, well, you just want to be London, so at least we don't try. So... <laughs> <laughs> What I'm going to suggest <laughs> is that anybody who's listening to this on Harrogate Community Radio definitely makes the effort to get to Thought Bubble and see you in person. And, yes, please. And buy your stuff off <laughs> you. Um, anybody in Harrogate who can't buy your stuff off you can jolly well buy it from me. Um, <laughs> because actually, as I'm recording this, I'm out of issues one, two, three, and four. I've got mm -hmm. five. Um, <laughs> but we're going to sort that, so that's all right. Um, for anyone who is listening across the internet on the podcast, well, you've got a website, which is... Um, yeah, it's, you can find my store, um, so I've got an Etsy store, um, you can find the link for it on my website, www.heartoftime.co.uk, and I'm at, on Twitter, at heart underscore of underscore time. So, all branded to my old comic because I was really forward thinking like that. <laughs> <laughs> As somebody who's done the same sort of thing many times, yeah, I get that. <laughs> and there's that thing on Twitter where it's like, do you want to change your handle, but then you lose everything? Yeah. So, yeah, not worth it. So. No, I wish you on your own. Yeah. Good times. 
And yeah, Jenny, I mean, I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you now. Um, <laughs> anyone who's been in the shop and asked me about recommendations knows I, I will bang on at length about how good NPCT is. Everybody should read it. It's it's funny, it's thought provoking, it's kind of gripping, it's definitely profound, and the art is not just good; it's interesting. Uh-huh. Um, be- because of the use of colour and the absence of black line, and it's just not quite like anything you've ever seen before. And therefore, you should read it because it's great. And I'm, I'm not going to make you any more compliments because I know you don't like them, but. <laughs> They are genuine and heartfelt. Um, so I, I guess this is probably as good a point as any to to stop. Because honestly, I could keep telling you how much I love NPCT. <laughs> and I'll just sit here going, oh, thank you. It, it eventually, eventually <laughs> sort of embarrasses both. So um, <laughs> I really look forward to seeing you uh, when you make it to Harrogate. And I'm, one of the things that makes me so excited about football being Harrogate is so many of my convention friends yeah. are coming to my town. Oh, I'm going to confess something. When I go to Thought Bubble, I have this, this shows what a stressy baby I am. I have this thing where I get overwhelmed by the amount of convention friends. Like, I remember walking around the Thought Bubble party and being like, there are so many people that like here that I could speak to and they're right here. And I, yeah, you don't get that with any other convention. I can relate. So, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. There's so much good stuff to see. There's so much amazing work and so many nice people there that it becomes stressfully overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. I would like to stress, actually, uh, and again, I've I've been saying this to artists and and writers who've been in the shop, if you aspire to make your own thing, Thorbable is such a place to go and meet people who have done what you aspire to do and who will give you help in doing it. Who will will give you advice and give you tips. Um, It's an unbelievably friendly, creative place. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's, it's the thing I live about Thorbable the most. It's the most positive atmosphere it's the it, it's two days of just relentless positivity and joy, um, <laughs> and I love it for that. That's a good pull pull quote. Two days of relentless joy, <laughs> po- relentless positivity and joy. Yeah, certain people, Lisa, if you're listening, you can you can have that. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you i look forward to talking to you in person in the not too distant future <laughs> um i say anyone who's come to thought before should absolutely seek you out and I, I don't suppose you know what table you're on yet do you no i don't think really stick quite no, I, I, yet. I, I, I know i don't know where i am yet so uh, mm-hmm. um, i'm hoping i'll be next to sean jefferson hopefully <laughs> we're usually next to each other so be on map Yes. <laughs> so people should absolutely come and find you. Um, and um, I look forward to speaking to you in person in November. Uh, and I guess for now, we will leave it there. So, so as I say, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you to the listeners for, you know, sort of listening, because otherwise it was odd that we recorded this. Um, <laughs> and uh, we will see you soon. Uh, until we meet again, be kind to yourself, be kind to everybody else, and above all else. Make your thing. Just whatever it is, just make your thing. Seriously, it's not as, as hard as you think. And um, uh, you'll feel so much better when you have. Creativity is the thing. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Geeks at the Gate podcast. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeks at the gate. Or contact us on Twitter at geeks at the gates. Or contact us by email on mail4geeksatthegates at gmail.com. That is the number four, not the word. Geeks at the Gates is a production of Venus Rising Media and is proudly made in Yorkshire.